1: Hey, this is Peter Kafka, and in a minute, you're going to hear me talk to Julia Hartz, who's the CEO of Eventbrite, that's a ticketing business, and if you're wondering why in the course of that conversation, I never ask her about Ticketmaster and their Taylor Swift problem, there's a good reason for that. It's because we recorded this conversation before Ticketmaster had their Taylor Swift problem. Okay, on with the show. This is Recode Media. With Peter Kafka. That is me. I'm speaking in person with Julia Hart, who's trying to stop from laughing. She's the CEO of Eventbrite. Welcome, Julia.
2: Thank you, Peter.
1: I have paid attention to your business for some time because I'm interested in music and entertainment and ticketing, and that's what you do. And I remember years ago talking to Michael Rapino, the CEO of Live Nation, who owns concerts and ticketing and runs Ticketmaster. I said, "You own everything. What's what's what do you got to keep it? What do you got to look out for?" I said. The Eventbrite couple, Julia and her <laughs> husband, are running this really interesting company. So you put me on the radar. Before we go further, explain what it is that Eventbrite does in case people – everyone has used you, but they may still not understand what the company does.
2: Thank you. Yes. It's it's a platform that has uh, one very simple North Star mission to make it easy to create and consume events of any kind, anywhere, at any time. In
1: person, generally, but also now online.
2: Any way that we gather as humans now and into the future of Eventbrite will enable that to happen easier. We really focus a lot of our energy around event creators who are the event producers and community organizers who really lay a lot of their livelihood, their bank accounts, their reputation on the line to bring others together. We think they're pretty badass. And hopefully I can say that on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's where you can say whatever you would like, And we want to make them – more successful faster. So we have managed to scale this platform into the mid-market of live experiences. Peter, if we looked on your phone right now and either searched Eventbrite in your email or opened the Eventbrite app, I bet we'd walk down memory lane for at least maybe a dozen years of events that you've gone to in your life. And that's exactly what we power. We power your life I was trying to get him to do it, folks, yeah, and he it's is working. Taking, he's taking I, the phone. I was gonna
1: say, I don't use the Eventbrite app, but I want to make sure that's you true. can actually open your
2: email and just search for Eventbrite.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to see what yeah. pops up. Yeah, I don't use the app, but no, I've, you I, I, you I, I, man. I've used you many times because people say, Come to Whatever send a link, I'm on Eventbrite. I don't right. choose to use Eventbrite. It's not something the consumer decides what ticketing platform I'm going to be on. It's the person who's organizing the event.
2: Yeah. And that you know certainly is in our goals, is for you to be thinking about Eventbrite a little bit more as you are trying to think of things to do maybe with your kids. I've gotten
1: your email saying, hey, there's stuff happening there you in your go. neighborhood.
2: There you go. And if you think about, imagine the market like a triangle. The very tippy top is the large stadiums and arenas. That's where you're seeing your headline, your know, sports and your concerts. You're maybe going a couple times a year, depending on on what you like to do. We are not in that business. That business is a almost totally fundamentally different business. The uh, bottom of that pyramid is, you know, birthday parties and backyard barbecues that you might use a lightweight RSVP app for. We're everything in the middle. It's this fatty middle layer of professional ticketed events in every category, every, you know, type of event you can imagine. It's on Eventbrite. So some of our most popular categories are music, food and drink, Performing arts, wellness, professional, you know, events that you go to for – I bet you go to a bunch of networking events. Sure. And, and you know, you probably try to build your resume through I enjoy professional networking. development.
1: <laughs> Give us a sense of scale how many how many folks you just you just reported your q three number. So these are top of mind,
2: yeah, absolutely. So we have over uh, half a million creators hosting millions of events on the platform, and they're both free and paid. And they range from, you know, forty people to a couple thousand. So really, it truly runs the gamut. And I think that what's, you know, interesting about Eventbrite is, the scale and the magnitude of what we've been able to achieve that really enables anyone to host any kind of event. So it comes back to that idea of Eventbrite's a self-service way to democratize the live events industry.
1: So I've written down my notes, 22 million paid tickets last oh, quarter.
2: you read the earnings report. Sometimes, yeah. Do, oh, I thanks, do a little Peter. Work.
1: Yeah. So, or somebody did. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> My, my my staff. Uh, no, I, I do the work. Um. So twenty two million paid tickets, tickets, and you get my. I can use Eventbrite for free, but if I want to charge something, you guys get a cut of
0: That's each right. transaction.
2: That's right. And We had one hundred sixty eight thousand paid creators. Um. In total, we had over three hundred sixty thousand creators in the quarter, and a hundred thousand of them are new. So you know the momentum around live experiences, and certainly gathering in person, is is really starting to hum. And and that's exciting, because obviously, we all missed being out together.
1: Right. So I want to talk to you about the pandemic and, yeah. and bouncing back from that. Um, Live Nation, we'll reference them again, is having this crazy summer. They say next year is going to be great too, even though maybe there's a recession, but people are shelling out money for Taylor Swift and all these other concerts. Um, you guys, again, from your your earnings numbers, did $67 million in revenue last quarter. Um, if we go back to the pre pandemic times, that was 82 million. Mm-hmm. So, how long will it take for you to get back to your pre pandemic numbers?
2: Gosh, no one's ever asked me that question. No one ever no, has. It's so unique. So, we see the recovery happening faster now than ever. And, you know, Eventbrite is a different business today than it was prior to COVID. So, if you look back in 2019, there are things that, you know, we, wanted to change about the business, particularly the music business. And we got our chance to do that during COVID. And so now we have a really clear vision on how we're going to build into the future. We're a more profitable company. We're producing more cash flow. And we have an opportunity to help our customers really drive demand. So I would say that the story of recovery for us is happening. So for instance, our self-sign-on creators, the Creators who are coming to the platform, about ninety-eight percent of them come through, you know, word of mouth, SEO, et cetera. They're growing well over the two thousand nineteen levels, and so we see some really great green shoots happening, and the recovery is happening in the right way. It's not happening in, in a way, and this is not a comment about anyone else's business. It's not happening in a way where we can't sustain that growth and we can't sustain positive adjusted EBITDA, which is really important for you know companies. Who are especially who are public or any yeah. company really?
1: So you want to make money. Yep. Um, but explain. You said you sort of transitioned the business in the pandemic. So yeah. what? Yeah. How does that work? You got out. You were doing more music. You're doing less now. It sounds like you're saying, look, don't expect us to get back to eighty two million dollars. Immediately.
2: Oh no! I'm. I mean, every day I wake up with the goal of driving top line revenue growth. So that that wasn't uh, that wasn't my point at all. But I think the the recovery of Eventbrite is happening in a way that sets us up for much greater growth. This um, feels like it's an earnings call. I don't. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't mean I it to be. And I no no. So um, so let me just let me just back up and and give you like a really a two minute mm-hmm. truly two minute snapshot of what happened during COVID. As you know, all events went away. Pretty much overnight. So, in after you know building the business for fourteen years, and in fourteen days we had we were producing. So negative husband revenue. and
1: wife, you owned business. You guys went public, right. A few years earlier, right? Yeah, two thousand eighteen. Yeah.
2: Um, and in that moment, I think businesses have a choice. They can you know hunker down and try to weather the storm. Uh, they can you know give up. Or they can decide to do something with this great disruption, and I think that you know whatever it is—the black swan event, the crucible moment—you name it. When you're producing negative revenue, (laughs) it's it's a moment that you pay great attention to. And so, out of that, we decided to make some pretty big changes. And you know, I don't know many companies who, within a month of the impact of COVID actually laid off 45% of their company. And that was a very difficult thing to do. Um, And you
1: had to because there was no events. We
2: had to because there was no economic activity happening on the platform. In that moment though it really gave us an opportunity to not just cut the company in half but actually to create a strategy for the next 3 years that we would follow and it was based on all the wisdom that we had from the previous 14 years of building the company so in that sort of intervening 30 days where you know all hell broke loose we actually wrote that strategy down and we we size the company to it. And so there were three principles in that. The first was we were going to build for frequent creators. These creators are the ones who are using the platform at least once a month. And Eventbrite kind of sucked for them. So we were really going to change the process. I'm doing a meetup every month.
1: I need a platform that does that.
2: Exactly. And what why it sucked was because the entire platform was written for an event, not a creator, not a creator with many events. So there were just fundamental Foundational elements we had to change. The second was that we'd strayed a little bit from our self-service roots. So we've always prided ourselves on the fact that whether you're a creator or a consumer, you can use Eventbrite without calling someone. As we had gotten more and more into Full service business in different categories, one of which is music. We'd come into that area where we're getting a little bit too complicated, covering a little bit too much surface area. You had to, you know, request certain features to use them. That's not a great rounding principle. People to staff that, and
1: exactly. now you're a service business instead of a software. Exactly.
2: Business. So we started to have, you know, more and more dedicated account management, less profitable sales deals. So on and so forth. You've seen this this uh uh-huh. this picture before. Um and the third thing we wanted to do was we wanted to go from being just a ticketing platform to a growth engine. We wanted to really show creators that we know how to help them drive more tickets. But first we had to help them just survive. I mean, many of these customers had to shut their doors and go underground.
1: Creators is a nebulous term oh, it and is. people like to use nebulous terms because it suits many needs. So when you say creator, what yeah. do you mean?
2: I mean a You don't person... mean what
1: Instagram th- thinks of as a creator. I
2: don't. I mean, well, sometimes could yes. Could be. Could overlap. Could be. Could could yeah. be. Uh, I mean a person or a small team whose primary source of income are live experiences, whether it's through the ticketing of that live experience itself or it's the revenue generated through that experience. They're tech savvy. They are community organizers. They come to Eventbrite with a community and content or format around an experience that works. I used to think that we birthed creators, right, because I'm a founder and that's what I loved mm-hmm. telling myself. It was a great story. Uh, data has shown us otherwise. Creators that are really successful on Eventbrite actually come with that already Figured out and they scale it. So our focus is how to help them scale it faster and more effective than they could on their own. And they're usually coming from not using a platform. They're using, you know, they're collecting cash at the door. They're, you know, having people PayPal them. And so it's largely coming from a cobbled together solution to Eventbrite. And now we can meet them at the front door and say, hey, we do ticketing. Yes, absolutely. We have a really efficient ticketing engine. We process billions of dollars in microtransactions, and we have everything that goes ar- along with that. We also have now marketing tools to help you be a more effective marketer. You can use our, the first-party transaction data that you're processing on the platform to help you build smarter audiences. We help you advertise on event right now. So these are new value propositions that Prior to this year, you wouldn't be getting if you if you signed up on Eventbrite how as a long, creator. How long
1: did you go in the pandemic with zero or next, you know, essentially zero revenue?
2: We went, um, well, gosh. So in March of 2020, obviously this is all public, we generated negative revenue, I think in the teens. And it was pretty soon after that that revenue started to come back via virtual events. So creators were, you know, starting to take the same content that they had been offering, like a daybreaker. Have you been to a daybreaker? No. You need to go to a daybreaker. It's this a is where I, five a.m. dance party yeah, yeah, no. on a rooftop. No. I, and sober I can too, picture right? you there, totally sober. Yeah, um, no. hundred mm-hmm. uh, percent. New life goal. Uh, and uh, they. Took their format from you know rooftop to Zoom and scaled it from two thousand people to one hundred and fifty. So all those people, people who
1: are doing Zoom shows, who are doing live music, who are now doing Zoom shows, and all that you're you're now yeah. helping work with. them. Yeah.
2: So the economic engine started, you know, sputtering. I would say in in April, and we put all of our might behind you know integrating with Zoom and helping creators get get back up. On their feet in one way or Did another. Did you need
1: emergency funding just to to get through? We
2: actually spent our time advocating to get emergency funding for small venues. So mm-hmm. the Small Venue um, Act that NEVA right. sponsored, we spent a lot of time but on that. You
1: guys had cash on hand. You didn't. Have we to had go cash get... on hand.
2: Yeah, yeah. We raised we raised some debt financing in in the dark days, and that's a benefit of being a public company. I think that with with the transparency, you know, you can There's someone can look capital. at your business and
1: say, "There's something here." If you can make it. That's right. This.
2: That's right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like the best terms yeah. uh ever ever papered, but it got us through. You can say,
1: look, we have an existing business. This isn't this isn't a whatever. You you can see what this looks like at some point in the future. You can take a bet on it.
2: Yeah. And look, we have three hundred and fifty million dollars. On our balance sheet now, we're adjusted a to positive. We're not, you know, we're not certainly wondering uh, where, where our runway ends. Mm-hmm. And I think do, going through that so early, being the tip of the spear, making some pretty drastic moves that were, frankly, counterintuitive to a founder <laughs> were really important to put us on the track to be growing back in the way that was really fundamentally right for the business.
1: We'll be right back after a word from a sponsor. So one thing I did not imagine was that I would be reading headlines in early 2021 saying people in Florida are using Eventbrite to schedule vaccine appointments.
2: You and me both.
1: And better. it seemed like, huh, this is both a condemnation of government because that shouldn't be working that way. And maybe this is good for Eventbrite that they can sort of – they have a platform that works for this. When did you become aware that people were were dispensing medicine using Eventbrite?
2: Honestly, it was the same day that I was diagnosed with COVID, and it was January sixth
1: of oh, twenty twenty one. And you're so reading. Tell me,
2: you tell me, yeah. you tell me the, the the ways in which that whole day was just so surreal. So is that it?
1: you go great? That's great that we're not not you getting COVID, but that's great what? that we're doing this. Or no, this is a problem. We have liability. We're Nothing not built for no this. Day.
2: Our first instinct was how can we help these senior citizens because this was the over fifty five crowd. How can we help them get their appointment faster? And how can we do this in a way that doesn't disrupt the roadmap, that is helpful, and that doesn't run us afoul of of HIPAA? So I got on the phone with the chancellor of UCSF, where I'm on the board. He put me in touch with the California head of HHS, who then punted me to the federal. And within about 48 hours, we were cleared, you know. And so did I think this was the most efficient way to, to get your vaccine appointment Heck yeah! Did, obviously, eventbrite's incredibly fast. Did I think this was a new vertical for us and a new way that we were going to make money? Hell no! You didn't say
1: oh, I want to be in the healthcare business. Though.
2: No, no. Yeah. So we were just really trying to do what we could to help, and you know it was very noisy. If uh, well. You yeah. weren't working at the company, but it was very noisy at the time around. Why? Why is the government failing? Why do they have oh, I'm sh- I'm to sure use that right? I'm sure
1: Fox wrote one of we those stories. Like, yeah,
2: yeah, we were like, let's just help as many people as possible. So in the end, we helped over two million people get their vaccine appointment in those early days, and you know it was a great morale boost for the team. And it, we moved on. You know, we weren't we weren't sort of entangled in in trying to disrupt like um, vaccine appointment scheduling.
1: So. Let's rewind further. Before you were in the vaccine distribution business, and before you went public, how did you guys start this? Why why did you end up building Eventbrite?
2: Well, I think I think to tie that to the beginning, one of the really beautiful things about that moment was recognizing the fact that Eventbrite can be used even by Broward County at the eleventh mm-hmm. hour, you know, in a panic, and it is completely self service. So we started it, um, Kevin Hartz, who was at my t- at the time my fiance. Uh, and is now my husband. Still my husband. Woo! Renovasage and I got together, and we all came at it from different angles. So Kevin had a long history in micro payment transaction platforms. He founded a company called Zoom with an X, uh, which is now part of PayPal, international remittance, and had been a seed investor in what had become PayPal before Before became paypal um when it was confinity labs or something That's and great name. yeah and so he was uh he was passionate about democratization i came from television i was passionate about the idea that you can make someone feel something by you know enabling an experience much like traditional media was doing i'd worked on a, a docuseries around fandoms and it had just never left my subconscious, how how you know passionate people interact with one another, even around the most obscure things and when they're strangers. Um, and then Renault is a, a really talented photographer, and he was passionate about helping people turn their passion into profits. We all came to it f- from different angles. It was the really quaint days of 2006. We bootstrapped the company for two years. We spent less than a quarter of a million dollars. We all played multiple parts and so what was
1: the initial pitch? Was it we're going to – were you in music yeah. then at the time? You were going to be we one of the many be, people doing ticketing for, for no, concerts?
2: So specifically we did not enter through music. We wanted to be category in- agnostic or inclusive, however you want to look at it. But we wanted to be able to ticket any, any kind of event, anywhere for anyone. And our idea was we wanted it, we wanted Eventbrite to be like Gmail – we wanted it to be so easy to sign up and use. And I laugh because that sort of dates us. But really, the idea of pulling away the layers of friction and getting down to those basic elements and making it something that people didn't have back then, which was an ability to monetize an event, as easy as it was to use in a new email account. And so we really focused on how simple we can make it. But because of that we also focused on just being completely horizontal like the the conventional wisdom would be go in attack a vertical and then do that in different verticals live experiences are quite unique except they all have some of the ba- most basic common elements and so we focused on that and how we could build a product that would meet people's needs and do what they wanted to do better faster and more effective. It
1: started in web 2.0 times, we did. right? This was when everyone's asking is this a feature or a yep. company? It seems like the stuff you were doing ticketing for live events would have been rolled up into Yahoo at the time or maybe AOL or name your name your conglomerate. How close did that come to happening?
2: Not close at all. We've been stubbornly independent this entire time. I'm like a granny with a shotgun on the porch. Uh, But mostly we were... Someone didn't
1: come over and and offer you a bunch of cash (laughs) or, or stock?
2: I don't think so. We were mostly focused on getting from zero to one. And, you know, again, not to not to date myself, but back then that wasn't, you didn't just go raise money. You mm-hmm. had to really earn it. So we put our own money in. Uh, we got money from our friends and family. The Birches were early uh, investors in Eventbrite. So it was Jeff Clavier. Um, and then in 2008, we thought it'd be a great time to go out and raise money. <laughs> so we pitched 42 firms and got 42 no's. Uh, turned around and had a great year during the recession in 2009. Um, turns out people like to go out when when the going gets tough, and a lot of people turned to Eventbrite to make extra income when they lost their job. So we went back out and we got a term sheet. We got several term sheets, but we signed with uh, with Sequoia Capital and Roloff came on board. So that was a, that was an inflection moment for us in terms of of you know scaling. But I think um, to go back to your feature or a company thing. I think a lot of people miss that these days where, you know, there's a lot that goes into building fe- a feature set into an actual business. And one of our first customers was Michael Arrington, who started using it for meetups and monetizing those this meetups.
1: the CEO of TechCrunch, founder of TechCrunch.
2: founder of TechCrunch. It's funny.
1: Uh, Someone was just asking about him. He dominated a ton of mind space yeah. a while ago, and then he just oh. has removed himself from, from the conversation.
2: Yeah, I well, I, he was a an incredible early user because we got a ton of feedback, so um, much of which I I fielded. So um, I have I have What's great like amount get, of affinity. It's
1: some QA from from Michael Arrington.
2: It's 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 great racing. Yeah, Bracing. yeah. So the uh, tech meetups were sort of our first like sub genre, and then we went into speed dating. I remember the day that. Bunch of speed dating events started growing on the platform, and I thought, like, wow, we've made it, you know, totally in New York, nonetheless. Which is why I'm gesturing with my hands. Your city, we've gone from tech meetups to speed dating in New York. Now I'm sure there's a quip in there about that not being very different genres, but it was excellent for us because it was that proof of life. And then we just started growing, you know, organically all over the world. At the time we were processing on PayPal. So we had access to a bunch of markets.
1: What have you had to say, hey, I know why you guys want to organize this event and God God bless you, but we can't have that on the platform.
2: It's been a real journey so for a us. Pro-
1: it's the yeah. definition of a platform, right? You get that problem if you're successful is that people oh, yeah. start using you for things that you don't want or you dislike yeah, or yeah, are yeah. illegal.
2: It's pretty black and white until it's not. <laughs> would be my would be my one uh-huh. my one quip on that. Um, we've had to really grow up fast and and develop our community guidelines very clearly over the last five years and um, or six years. I'm really proud of where we are. I'm really proud of the tough decisions we make, and I'm really proud. So of – It's an
1: example of a tough decision where there's money and some of your customers want it. But yeah. you don't want it on the yeah.
2: platform. Yeah, I think it's when we um, leave things on the platform that I'm most proud of the, the team. Yeah, because like that's a, an unpopular decision. Um, cho- choose your topic. You give me a topic Let's and talk I'll about tell abortion. you. Abortion. <laughs> All the views of abortion yeah. are on the platform. And, you know, I think what I'm most proud of is when the Brightlings, who are our employees, make the Critical call, the objective call. I think that's. I think that's tough, and I think humans are flawed, and I'm so I'm always proud of that. And you know, I think we stand for freedom of assembly, so you know, it's not. It it really is incumbent upon us to help everyone be able to assemble safely. And you, now, you haven't got like, the
1: blowback, especially during the during the oh, Trump era, where, the where someone says this event was organized by Eventbrite. We've got to boycott them.
2: All the time. That's just what it's like these days. And I don't – I'm not resigned to that. I think that there's a better way for us to be having – you know, think about it. Like all these things that we're talking about in terms of having conversations online and, and, you know, how messed up things get so quickly, that doesn't always happen in real life. In real life – when we're looking at each other, yeah. we're communicating in a different way. So Harder we have to be an
1: asshole in person. We
2: have a lot of optimism around what we can do in person, which is why we think it's really important to keep to keep people congregating. Right. And um, but on the other hand, bad things can happen at events. So the first and foremost bright line for us is safety. Right. I think you're only as good as objective as you can remain objective, and that's really what we strive for.
1: So you've been through the 2008 recession, survived the pandemic. We are either in a recession now or headed towards one, or maybe, we don't know, but no one feels really good about the immediate future. How are you thinking about running your business during what's coming?
2: What just came up for me when you were saying that is what's the benefit to bet against a recession? And I actually know that answer, which is you can miss opportunity if you're not leaning in. Um, When we were at the tip of the spear during COVID, a lot of what we were thinking was that the bottom was falling out. We had no idea a bull market would ensue, that so much would happen to prop that up. Um, And maybe that bull market was too (laughs) bullish and now we're retracting. Yeah, so – However, even with that experience under my belt, uh, personally, I feel that it is incumbent on every great leader to be looking ahead and imagining what if and not to be paranoid or to spin a lot of cycles on it. But having been through a what if that never would have made it into any disaster playbook or scenario planning or you tabletop exercise, pandemic. you know, well, or like all gathering would be mandated unlawful. Yeah. Okay, so we didn't we didn't do that one. But now that we've been through that, I I'm just much more tuned to imagining the unimaginable. So I would say to every business leader, no matter how big or small your business is, prepare for it. Prepare for the worst because some good things can come out of that. And I think for us, we're a success story. We We got to turn something awful into something really fortunate.
1: But so how do you game that out, right? So like this is not your business, but uh, insider. Uh, the publisher uh-huh. um, had a subscription business and an advertising business, and part of it, I think, is their subscription business isn't working as well as they'd like. But they're looking ahead and going, things are going to be tight. The idea of getting people to pay us a monthly subscription is going to be even harder. We're going to we're going to lean into ads. You guys are in a different kind of subscription business, right? I mean, here I don't want to I don't want to muddle it too much. Yeah, yeah, that's But okay. how are you thinking about? Mm-hmm. All right, let's say the economy really 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 has problems in the next 6 months. What does that mean for our
2: customers? So I would first and foremost figure out how much runway you have with half the revenue that you have today. And I mean again, we I think in, you know, in the early days of COVID, we were our tableau dashboards broke because we were producing more refunds than revenue. But, you know, we we ended up down, you know, 50 plus percent and we we could have survived Ultimately, um, without even raising all the capital that we raised. So what are you willing to do to survive um, and make that plan and agree on that with your team? And I think there's so much virtue in um, – I was just talking to a great mentor and um, business leader of of co- agreeing on the contingency plan, like oftentimes. We so come do you up have one? Planning. Do you have a breaking yeah, glass? Yeah, absolutely. We, if, if
1: these three things happen, we go into this mode.
2: Oh my god, absolutely. I mean, we have you know we have three because we've learned that. There's going to be variation in the recovery, and you know our predictions of how long it would take to recover in some ways were too conservative, and in some ways were too optimistic, and so we ended up falling somewhere in between. But we're running the business in you know a constant check-in on hey, what would we do if? And um, Eventbrite is a transactional platform today, so ninety-eight percent of our of our revenue comes from when a ticket is actually sold. Um so, you know, we've You been, guys are going to like
1: 3 bucks a uh, transaction. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So,
2: yeah, I do so, read the Yeah, I actually believe yeah. you know. So, I think for a business like Eventbrite that has to be generating economic activity, you know, in order to to thrive. I mean, that um that really made us uh it it made us understand the fragility and then to see creators bounce back, it made us understand that this business is resilient because of the people who are actually hosting these events, right? When I talk to creators, they're not going, "What the hell is happening? Well, I'm terrified of the future." They're like, "Oh, this is working. I'm going to go do more of that." This is working. It's like it's it's entrepreneurs, you know. And so we're serving these entrepreneurs. I don't really know what to tell insider other than to be prepared for a long nuclear winter. And that's the best that you can do is know that what is really understand what are you willing to do to survive, and have that contingency plan not just in your head, but actually like?
1: Let me go at it one more share. time. Do you imagine like? Do you imagine? Hey, if you really if there's a want re- me
2: to save Insider? I'm no, no, no. no let's leave
1: it inside. But let's <laughs> like we imagine that if there's this kind of inflation and this kind of recession, that. Our transaction activity is going to go down by X percent or the dollar amount is going to go down. People will still want to do these events, but they're going to charge a lot less. So that's less for us. Or they're going to just have less events because people won't want to go out. Or do you think, no, we've been taught that people do want to go out. Like, how are you thinking about what an economic downturn does for the specific kind of a business you do?
2: Less destruction than a global pandemic did. Um, and I don't I don't say that to be cheeky. Um, what i've learned through massive massive times of pressure and depression is that of our business is that the human will to gather is incredibly strong so we have a pulse on our on all of our spending and all the ways in which we invest in the business most of our spending is focused on our product development we also have a way to help creators sell more tickets. And we're not just leaning into that now because we're afraid of what's coming. We're not afraid of what's coming. We actually, I've seen a recession mm-hmm. and what it does to a business. We were a different size business. It was a different world. But people went out a lot more and connected with the events that weren't $160 plus you know, massive fees. They went out to the $20 event with $2 fee. And that, you know, to me is a really good memory of the past that we apply forward. But we also are leaning into the thing that we can do to help creators sustain their businesses through any kind of period, which is helping them sell more tickets faster. It's part of our three year plan. So we thought about this when we thought about and dreamt about, you know, on Mar- it was March 23rd, 2020, when we outlined this plan, we thought, if we deserve and earn the right to win and be in existence in 2023, that for us is going to be the like the moment where, you know, events have recovered and we can help creators really grow their businesses faster. So I'm excited to be here. I think we're in a recession. Uh, if, if I don't know if that's like a, you know, a, a it's thing. Not, it's Do you not, join a club when you think uh, you like jo- we're you headed? Jo- you into- join a growing club. People okay. Who are saying. All right. Cool. Um, because again, I don't think that there's, I mean, fundamentally, I don't see how we would avoid it, but Secondly, I just don't think there's any great virtue in, you know, um trying to take like the upside on mm-hmm. on this one. And um and I feel really confident that I can run the business through a recession just like I ran it through a massive global pandemic. I don't want to
1: end the interview on pandemic and I don't recession. Either. Let's what's a, what's an uplifting note we can go out on.
2: Well, um do you celebrate Halloween? Yes. Okay. Um, I thought maybe you might not. Like you might be, be part of like a weird sect that doesn't, yeah, you know I mean, what I mean? Teach them I don't know. On, but no, teach I, them I, got, I got kids. All right, cool. So Halloween this year was 30% bigger on Eventbrite um, by number of events and 50% bigger by revenue um, and tickets. It was to us truly the first sign that there is sustained – and palpable energy around gathering. And it gives us a lot of optimism, not just as, you know, the business, but as people around our ability to move past the moment. Certainly, I'm, I'm very interested in the science and have always been. And I think with the proliferation of science and everything that we have to protect us against COVID. But you need some
1: gut and some optimism.
2: You got to get through it. And people are, this is different. Like this feels very different on the platform. It feels like people have moved into the next phase. And that makes me optimistic because I think that, you know, social isolation didn't do anyone any good. And I can see this energy growing. And I think that is going to come just in the nick of time.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. Let's stop right there on the optimism side. (laughs) Good job. Julie Hartz, CEO of Eventbrite, thank you for coming.
2: Thank great you for having great me. Great to
1: hang out. This is a Recode Media. Thanks to Jelani for editing and producing, our sponsors for bringing this show to you for free. We'll see you soon.